This episode is brought to you by Roundtable Group, the experts on experts. We've been connecting attorneys with experts for over 25 years. Find out more at roundtablegroup.com. Hello and welcome to another great show of discussions at the Roundtable. I'm your host, Michelle Lux. My guest is Mr. Dennis McAllister. He's a pharmacist with McAllister RX Consulting, LLC. Thank you, Dennis, for joining me today. Uh, Good morning. So one of the questions I asked for you to think about was, what do you wish you knew the first time that you were an expert witness? It took me a few cases uh, to learn um, what I thought was probably one of the most important things that I do now when I'm, I'm working on a case. And that is as a retained expert to a, uh, an attorney who's working for their client, uh, whether it be plaintiff or defense, uh, when the case is new, uh, an expert is uh, sought out because a lot of times there's a unique body of knowledge that the expert has that isn't all that familiar or obvious to the attorney as they worked their case in the early days. So the the pearl I learned was the expert has as much a responsibility to support the attorney's case as the expert does to show the attorney where there are holes or uh, omissions in their case that may make winning it more difficult if or even impossible. Uh, It's a two-edged sword and the expert I like to call it Switzerland. Uh, We're neutral to the case. We describe what's going on in our area of expertise and then uh, let the attorney kind of drive across that fork in the road wherever they want to go. So when you are retained as an expert, have you found that most attorneys prepare you for opposing questions or to develop a strong case, as you mentioned, the, the holes in the case, do you have strong arguments that you develop along the way? Uh, more often than not, in the early stages of uh, document review or evidence review, uh, first thing I look for is where there are gaps in the information that makes it impossible to make a solid uh, support for the case or what's missing that's obvious where the the opposing side will probably pounce upon. So I look for that. Um, And then in discussing the case, um, it's where we go from here, where are the strong points and what do you want us to embellish? I think the the opposing questions come in deposition preparation about that timeline. Now, when you have your initial interview with the attorney, um, you know, they're interested, they're interviewing candidates. How do you prepare for those interviews? And have you found that you ever charge for those or do you treat it as, you know, a 10 minute interview back and forth? Uh, That's what you would hope would happen because you are both finding common ground where you can work together. I've also been a little disappointed and maybe I was naive. There are some attorneys who will ha- use that initial interview, get some pearls about their case, and then they never call you back. Uh, so it's, it's a, fine, a fine line you walk. Uh, what I try to do is with the facts of the case as presented, give some strategies to the attorney where I could work with them to make their case better. 
And then before you take that initial interview, do you usually, um, at least on roundtable group side, we always ask for party names for an internal conflict check. Is that something that, that normally you will need in that initial interview before you start discussing the matter? Or is that after maybe you're retained? Uh, that's actually very helpful information because in my personal situation, uh, when I was a full-time pharmacist uh, working for a national company, I had a footprint with that company that touched one in three Americans through their insurance. And there's a lot of conflicts out there that would pop right up. Or there may have been a case where I also served on a regulatory body for over 20 years here in Arizona. And there may be cases where I would be conflicted out because I opined on them as a regulator. And then can you talk to me a little bit about your regulation experience? Is, is that something that you find helps you um, in some of the cases or at least understanding of different approaches to litigation? Uh, actually, it's been extremely helpful. Uh, it was, my experience is with the Arizona State Board of Pharmacy. And I served there for uh, 23 years uh, and probably reviewed due to consumer complaints or investigative issues, maybe uh, just rough figures, a thousand cases to review them against the statute and regulation that define the practice of pharmacy. Well, much of that defines the standard of care. And it becomes very helpful to find where the, in the case where the standard of care was met or not met, and that the variations are on the way to do that. So uh, having experience with a regulator uh, has made, I think, myself a lot more viable as an expert in these cases. Well, I mean, any any time that you are up against a state or government entity, it does, um, I believe, just change things just a little bit. So having that experience is very helpful. Now, in regards to contracts, do you often find that you have, over the years, um, inserted special terms that maybe you, you didn't know about or as your years of experience have shaped you that you now add to your contract or how do you usually handle special terms? It, most of it comes out of experience or if the retaining entity has some unique needs, we'll add those terms into the engagement agreement. More often than not, it's scheduling for a deposition or uh, testimony and then the day before uh, a settlement occurs. And there's been a lot of work that gets involved in rescheduling. So I usually add in my engagements uh, some kind of a fee for that kind of a successful win for one side or the other. And then there's also uh, discussions over travel and uh, timing of that sort of thing. Uh, the, the pandemic has really given us a new environment with uh, virtual meetings. And uh, a lot of travel has been eliminated because of that. And I think that works for everybody in saving time and money and uh, disruptions to their lives. Uh, but if there's travel involved, there are some elements I put in mind regarding uh, the issues. Now, with the video interviews, depositions and whatnot, have you found that you're engaged more in those? I, I think people are, are accustomed to it now. Um, even in my former uh, day job, we used to, I did a lot of travel. Weekly, I was somewhere else in the country. And my people who are still on my team don't travel at all anymore. It's all virtual. Uh, and case in point, uh, to use a cliche, uh, back in December, I was deposed on a case 
that went five and a half hours. It was all virtual. I find one of the frustrations of a virtual deposition, especially in a larger case, is, and I, I needed to ask more of that when I do it again, there's other people in their boxes on the screen uh, who don't identify themselves well. And I think it's important to know your audience. And I, I think that should be cleared up right at the beginning. Now, um, have you been deposed in a court yet with the masks on? Uh, in live situations, masks are very, very difficult, uh, make it more difficult because it's tough to read emotion. And as much as we like to think we listen well, we are also lip readers. And it's nice to see what they're talking and how they're responding. Uh, whereas in a virtual uh, meeting, uh, people don't have masks on and you get the advantage of seeing those facial emotions. Yes. When you are preparing for your expert writing and you're doing your expert report, have you found ways to improve perhaps maybe the point of view or the writing over the years or is it something that you take classes on or you you're just a good writer and you've done it from the get-go and you're good to go oh i'm married to my english teacher and she likes to review everything i write she helps me with some of the structure and so on um i think when i began writing reports uh i spent too much time being wordy and not getting to the point uh, I've reviewed these documents. Here is the standard of care. Here's why it's a standard of care. Here's why they met or they didn't. And uh, a little more brevity makes sense because you're going to get to a deposition anyway, and they're going to talk over the details. Have you had um, cases by chance, um, you know, state of Arizona, but have you done a lot of outside of Arizona or national cases? I have. I have, and it, uh, I've done probably more outside of Arizona than I have inside Arizona. And uh, it's a, a travel issue with, at that point, an unknown audience, and you can call it a hostile environment. <laughs> and uh, it, it is quite the uh, experience, uh, but I, I found that it works fine. I, I haven't, any, haven't had any trouble with it. Now, do you market yourself that way, or is it more word of mouth of how people find you? Before I began doing this full time, I was pretty active nationally in pharmacy regulatory and legal matters. So I have quite a uh, corral of uh, colleagues who know me. So most of my work comes from word of mouth, but I am listed on a couple of databases, and I get a fair amount of work from that, where it's a, uh, a smaller firm that doesn't have the contacts with the colleagues I have and they'll just go to those databases and you know in the old days they'd spin through the Rolodex and find one and yep. give you a call um, and there it's a, a little more work to get the relationship started um, but uh, they, they seem to find me and uh, I don't have a formal website uh, I'm not sure that it would be that much more beneficial I uh, get pretty much all the work I need to, that I want. Which is perfect. <laughs> and and, I, and I'll, I'll put in a plug for Roundtable Group. I get contacted every couple of months on a case. They don't always engage, but they're very helpful in bringing me up and, and introducing me to uh, attorneys and looking at cases. So th that sort of marketing works very well, too. And I, I have a lot of respect for Roundtable Group. Other expert firms I've uh, not been terribly pleased with. 
Well, thank you. We appreciate that. You know, we always strive to do better and learn and, and grow, obviously, as a small company to build that reputation. So I appreciate that. Now, any last tidbits or uh, stories that you like to share as your experience as an expert witness that might help others entering the field? I would say that um, it's very important that the expert has a cornerstone or foundation of their skills in that um, you have something to offer that you know the attorney is buying and they need for their work. Uh, you just can't say, uh, I, well, I was a carpenter for a lot of years building homes and I'm an expert in home issues, uh, construction issues, that, that doesn't fly. You have to have a foundation of some sort that brings you up to this level to do this work. So if you have it, make sure you have it clearly available in a CV or a website so that folks can understand what you have to offer. Excellent advice. Thank you, Dennis. Well, I appreciate your time with me today. All right. Good talking to you. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Discussions at Roundtable. Our show notes are available on our website, roundtablegroup.com. Subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening apps. 